and welcome to the Smart Buildings Insider, a podcast series where we get the latest insight from experts and leaders about smart buildings innovations, technologies and trends. I'm your host, Lewis Martin, a global headhunter in the smart buildings market with CM Industrial. And in this episode, I speak to Brian Turner, who's the CEO of Buildings IoT. Along with its customers, Buildings IoT is pioneering a world where the capabilities of smart buildings surpass expectations to execute real solutions that streamline processes, optimize efficiency, and deliver value to real estate assets. In this episode, myself and Brian focus our conversation on education, training, and hiring in the smart building space. I hope you enjoy the discussion, and as always, please get in touch if you have any opinions or questions about today's episode. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. How are you doing? Very good, thanks. How are you? Very well. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to have you here. Naturally, the, there's been a, a huge shift, well, uh, something that we'll be discussing in terms of the smart building space, but also within Buildings IoT, which um, I'm really looking forward to, to diving into detail. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting topic that we'll be discussing today, uh, the likes of training, education, and, and just overall talent um, and the whereabouts of talent in the space because uh, naturally given my domain and, and um, where you sit high level within the industry uh, we're seeing some very unique trends as the as the smart building space continues to evolve um, I think first just for my audience it'd be great to, to get a, a snapshot as to how it all started for you and, and where you're at now uh, yeah sure so I am um... Go, go way back, try to give you a very condensed version. Um, <laughs> I After college, I graduated with a degree in human factor psychology. Um, and so that does probably tend to uh, guide some of the ways I think more so than if I had done a strict engineering degree. Started my master's program in industrial engineering and then ended up moving on to just completing an MBA and decided I like the business side of the world more than just uh, the, the hardcore engineering side of the world, that there was, there was more to do out there than, um, and there were plenty of engineers uh, going to work. So was working at Johnson Controls initially, um, got my start in the field, you know, actually doing this stuff in the real world, you know, getting out there um, in buildings, uh, you know, 30 flights up with no windows, trying to commission VAV boxes. Um, and, and program, you know, chiller plants, uh, you know, before there were any actual loads. So definitely got started right away, spent a couple of years doing that. And then, and then migrated into, into more of a sales side of the world and really trying to solve problems. And, and that's kind of where it started. And, and just every, every step along my career, um, whether it was at John's controls or, or eventually control co, which was in distribution um, or now buildings IoT, it was really trying to find what's next. Um, you know, how do we continue to improve what we do, how we do it, uh, make buildings operate better, um, really delivering the value that I believe should be delivered on every single uh, project. And and uh, over the years, have uh, become a lot more interested in how buildings are operated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that leads us quite nice onto the first topic, which is uh, which is education. Um, and for me, it's over the last 18, 24 months, it's been a, a huge learning curve, um, understanding perhaps 
there was there was way more um, to this industry as opposed to the low hanging fruit, the energy efficiency measures and energy conservation measures. Um, but indoor air quality and and there's so many more to to be discussed. Um, what would you say has been the the biggest learning curve, um, both for the likes of building owners, the, the the big commercial real estate firms, but also um, the occupants themselves as well? Yeah, I, I would say that there's a transition right now going on. We'll start with the building owner um, or the facility manager is that they really got to stop looking at the intelligent systems that are going to building as a first time cost. And I think we talked a little bit about this earlier uh, before the recording is that we have buildings that are being constructed based on first cost. Yeah. And so when they think about indoor air quality, when they think about a BMS, when they think about um, occupancy detection or, or cameras, they really think of those as a first time cost. However, similar to the transition that people have already made with security, they've realized that security and IT are operational expenses. And you have to continue to maintain those systems. You have to continue to invest in them. You have to continue to invest in not only training and, and manpower, but you're also investing in the maintenance and the uptime and the software maintenance and that sort of stuff. On the BMS and the IoT systems, I would say changing to that mindset has been very difficult. And we've seen that, like I said, I, I think the IoT solutions have been around for a long time, but getting people comfortable that, hey, we're gonna spend $10 a month to get this, to keep this system online and active, that's been a difficult transition. It just hasn't rolled into their paradigm from an operational expense perspective. I think that's changing. And I think that's been a big learning curve for, for facility managers and owners. Yeah, I think the, the OTIT convergence um, is massively important at the moment, but clearly there, there is still a, a lack of understanding or perhaps even an interest to, to change into that model. What would you say that's that's fair? Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. And I think it has to do with the economic you know, realities of commercial real estate. Uh, commercial real estate knows how to make money today. And when you start adding in new operational expenses, even though they might seem like a really good idea, uh, it doesn't it doesn't fit into the economic model today. Um, and I think there's some there's some innovative uh, organizations, facility owners, and property owners who are trying to make that transition, um, and they're working hard at it, but it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, commercial real estate doesn't make big, impactful change like this overnight. And if we're able to accomplish it, you know, over five years, I would I would argue that that might be overnight uh, for that type of industry, right? Um, but even in the education sector, where you might, you know, a lot of the uh, research and stuff when you talk about education is coming out of the big universities we see a lot of studies on indoor air quality its impact not just on um, the energy efficiency of a building because sometimes you might actually have to spend more energy to, to maintain a healthier building um, in fact quite often you might have to but you certainly um, also have to bring in fresh air you have to maintain your systems you have to maintain your mechanical systems etc but then the impact that that has on human productivity you know, I've seen some studies out there that say you lose uh, some percentage of your intellect uh, in the as CO2 start to climb or VOCs start to climb. Um, there's certainly other things like formaldehyde and those types of things that are in glues that if they're too high can can cause issues for humans. So there's there's a lot of studies been out there. But even in our universities, 
we don't have indoor air quality and well-maintained mechanical systems at by and large, all of those. So it, and if the establishments doing the studies and finding the results and, and finding the proof cases haven't figured out how to make it part of their economic reality that every single classroom and every single building has this level of intelligence in it, it's gonna be very difficult for us to also show that the commercial real estate that's a for-profit, um, you know, trying to maintain these facilities are gonna do it. So, you know, you think of commercial real estate, their building use changes quite frequently, right? A tenant moves out, we got to rebuild it. In university, it stays by and large the same for, for years, some decades, sometimes multiple decades. Um, so it seems like in those types of facilities, we should see a faster adoption of this. And, and while we're seeing some adoption, I still don't think we're seeing the adoption rates that, that we'd like to see as a society. To the university education system, though, uh, back to your original question about education and who's getting educated. I think the universities by and large in the US, which is where I have the most um, knowledge about this, they're doing a good job of adding curriculum, um, specifically talking about the building sciences and, and how the buildings actually have a big impact on, on the overall energy footprint of, of, our, of our utilization, right? So I think that we should start seeing more and more young, fresh graduates coming out that will be interested in this space. And they, they will come from traditional mechanical and electrical engineering degree programs, but I think they'll come from other programs too that are more non-traditional, that, that they got out, they wanted to make an impact. Maybe these students didn't know exactly what they wanted to major in when they got into college, but after learning and figuring out, hey, I wanna change, I wanna make an impactful change on climate change, on the overall environment, whatever, they find themselves migrating into our space. And we're really seeing people from all different um, backgrounds coming in, which is, which is pretty exciting. And that's a, that's a big change from five years ago. You know, we had to go heavily recruit versus people kind of knocking at our door asking how they could participate. What, what I would like to add is I see facilities management or, or our space um, or what it used to be anyway, very much like recruitment, um, which is where no one trains at, at college or, or university to go into recruitment or to facilities management, um, yet they go in there and they have very compelling and successful careers. Is there a way or are we starting to do it now where we can make our industry um, more appealing to, to these grads? Yeah, I think so. I think um, the more mainstream we can get, I, and I'll just give an example when I say mainstream. So, um, you know, the first, I think, I can't remember if it's the NBA finals or, or what big event. And we saw a commercial, um, about well buildings in the U S right. Yes. Prime time. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and you see celebrities and whatever else, uh, talking about, you know, wanting to go into a, a a well-building certified building, right? I think the more of that that happens, the more you will start finding the younger generations, even before they get into college, start to get interested. Well, what does that mean? What does what does well-building mean? Or what does a reset air certified building mean? And I think the more uh, that type of com conversation is in front of people, the more they'll be looking into it. Like, well, what does that mean? And how do I get well building certified? How do I get 
reset air certified. Um, I, I happen to uh, be on the board of a local um, athletic group here and we have um, high school kids who take care of the fields, right? So they, they go out and drag the fields, they cut the grass, they do all, all kinds of stuff as a high school job. And most of those kids actually have zero interest in going to college, but they all have a high degree of interest in going into trades. Right now, they think of trades as being an electrician, being a um, uh, HVAC technician, or being a plumber, or maybe even being, um, uh, you know, kind of not necessarily trades, but maybe a fireman or, or a police officer. So those are all things that they know about that they don't necessarily have to go to university in order to, to achieve. But the, I would argue that there's another class of, of employee opportunity right now for the built environment that's really not known uh, by that group of kids. And that is the, the technician level. You don't need a four-year degree in order to be a smart building technician, right? You do need training, but you need training to be in the fire academy as well. You need training to be a plumber as well. So I think we need uh, a dedicated training program. And this is where I've seen some universities try, but I think universities struggle with like a one-year technical program. And I think even the JCs struggle really um, giving directed instruction in, in highly technical things. Um, and I, I'm hoping that we can take some, take some lead from, you know, like our cable companies or our internet companies and how they're able to train entire fleets of technicians that can go into homes or into businesses and, and be highly successful and have great careers. Because I don't think that their career is much different from the talent that we need, you know, in the field in smart buildings. And so I'm hoping that we can start to see some innovation around that. Um, and it, it might be, you know, similar to, to Comcast or the big other big cable companies, they've done it themselves. And so it, it might just be that the big service providers for buildings are going to end up being that training ground for those technicians. Um, but again, it's easy for a kid in high school to see the cable companies, the internet companies. It's not necessarily easy for them to see in any kind of normal walk of life, the building technology companies, right? And so I think that we're going to have to figure out how to get that to be more mainstream. Yeah, because you know, we've touched on uh, in detail now that the educational side, which is perhaps more focused around building owners and, and getting them to understand that the ROI training and, and also talent as well, uh, especially given my domain is um, something I'm, I'm very interested in. Um, I mean, from, from my perspective, uh, having worked with Buildings IT as well, you, you not only acquire but retain top level talent. Um, and I think now that this transition of ITOT, the, the convergence of it, having people who aren't just um, a controls tech, but also understand how to put different IT um, technologies or systems in play is, is going to be massively important. But there was already a, a gap in the market, a shortage when it comes to building automation or, or HVAC technicians. Um, and when you combine the IT side, it, it, <laughs> it means that the, um, the scarcity of, of top level talent is, is, um, is really there. Um, you mentioned other areas, the likes of Comcast, um, as well as other um, telecoms companies. 
and perhaps we can take some areas to, to learn from those guys. Uh, is there anything else, including the likes of perhaps other affiliations across the industry, or is it really just going to be having to, to bring in, again, similar to Well, um, some, some really good marketing strategies to get interest levels from a very early age to um, eventually and, and hopefully move into our space? Yeah, well, marketing efforts are going to be huge. We're going to have to do that. We got to, we got to get awareness out there. But I actually think that we have to move away in our specific industry. We have to move away from the concept of the super tech. Um, right now, I think, and you're, in, you're recruiting, you're recruiting all sorts of people. And so you know the value of the super tech, right? Um, mm -hmm. And everybody wants one. Well, in my company, if I want to be an effective company, I want every one of my tech to be a super tech. Well, that's not scalable. I mean, you're recruiting out, out there every day for every hundred techs that you run across, you might find five or six you know, qualified super techs. And then the challenge with the super tech is they wanna do everything. They wanna do everything from the drawings to the, to the installation, to the programming, to the startup, to the commissioning, to the graphics. It's just like, it, it's impossible to satisfy them because they do have such a broad uh, desire to see a project soup to nuts all the way through. And um, on the other side, right now, we also have a huge amount of complexity in our, in our programming. So we, as a design, we allow mechanical engineering firms, electrical engineering firms to continually innovate and change and adapt and modify their design from one building to the next, mm -hmm. which requires a huge amount of complexity and a huge amount of knowledge for technicians to actually install. So you look at a, at a, a a cable tech or an internet tech, they don't have to know, like this building is gonna be set up the same as the next building, right? Not, not, oh, well, they decided that they have a new way to make uh, data flow. And so they've added a bunch of complexity here. Now I've got to reprogram everything. They don't do that, right? Um, and so I think for us to really move to that next level of scalability where we actually can have success in training multiple technicians is to really get the technicians to be really smart and really good at what's going on in the field, the connectivity, the placement of the product, the, the troubleshooting of the product, but not the programming and the software application itself. That needs to be able to be supported uh, remotely. And you know, I've talked a lot about this. I think that um, in order to effectively scale, the brains need to be, uh, or the, the people in the field need to be able to call for help. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, hey, I've done everything within my skill set. Everything is connected right. All my test measurements are right. The data is all right. The sensors are all connected. But this thing just isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Now I'm going to call in for help. Right. So now we get the software engineers, uh, you know, to remotely connect. They troubleshoot it. If they can solve it, they do. If not, then they send it to a next the next level of triage. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how it needs. We can't depend on every one of our technicians to have all of that level of, of skill set or that level of information ready at their at their immediate disposal. disposal yeah. um, and, and I think that that is one method we can certainly take from the internet companies. You know, when a technician shows up at your house, it's pretty much a guarantee they're going to call home at least for something, whether it's, hey, I think everything's <laughs> ready. Let me let's get it tested. Let's get it online. Let's make sure everything's there. And then they get to go. Once they say, yep, from your perspective, everything's good. We take it from here. It might be another hour, might be another two hours, but that technician now gets to, gets to go, right? So from a, 
And from a, if you think about it from a customer experience as well, the customer has a lot of confidence in that as well. Like, hey, technician's done, it's been validated, right? By another yep. uh, person. It's not just this technician said it, said sign here, everything's good. It's, it's, there's a, there's a lot of um, kind of checks and balances in the process. And I think, I think we got a lot to learn from that. We got a long way to go to actually get there. Yeah, agreed. So, so potentially standardizing everything and, and maybe having some sort of, let's say, network operation center. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's how it's going to be. Uh, and, and even if you can't standardize everything, like maybe we'll still find that some chiller plants, you know, depending on the building type need to be different, but there should be only a few variations um, that still technicians can know enough to make sure everything in the field is physically working the way it's supposed to be. And you still have the people who know the complex sequences and, the, and can do the complex troubleshooting of the application, they should still be um, uh, in the cloud. I, I just think that if we, if we spend, if we expect that every company or every time something goes wrong on site, you have to have a super tech there, I think we'll never be able to scale uh, like we need to. One of the things Buildings IT does well and most recently is is acquire and, and retain talent. And as we come to the end of this podcast, it'd be good to learn a little bit more about how things have changed over the last 12 months for, for you guys at Buildings IoT, um, as well as also what the, the future looks like for you. Um, because from my side, it looks very promising. Yeah, so the last 12 months have been interesting. Um, as you know, we took investment from Keyframe in, that closed in March. Um, I would say this year is kind of the year we're, we're seeing the real impact of COVID as you know, in, in 2020, not a lot, a lot of people were spending, but we had, we were able to still work through a lot of backlog. Now we're seeing this year as a, a year of building back, right? So we're getting backlog and all of, and, and at the same time recruiting and investing a lot in our software. So this year has given us a lot of time to um, invest in manpower, people, programmers and, and software engineers to really bolster our software platform. Um, you know, we've, we have two pieces of our software that, that we sell. One of them is really for modeling data and, and having that API so that you can access that data in a very domain specific way. And then the other one is for visualizing and operationalizing that data. So investing heavily there. And then on the other side, it's investing in sales and, and yep. getting the message out. Um, we do have a very, I think, um, unique way of looking at the market and how this uh, market problem can be solved. And I think that's a big um, reason why people are attracted and, and people want to stay here. Um, and hopefully we will be able to continue to, to have that message resonate internally and externally and continue to drive you know, new, um, highly talented recruits coming in as well as people staying on board. Okay, interesting. Well, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to keeping uh, an eye on uh, the progress that you're making. Um, outside of Buildings IoT then, I, I guess final two or questions or topics. Um, again, we, we've seen so many trends, um, different transitions over the last two years. What are your predictions over the next 12 months for our space? Well, I think in the next 12 months, we're gonna start seeing organizations deciding what they're going to be doing. Um, 
especially in the building space. Uh, how they're going to either refactor their building, uh, make it a destination for people to want to come to. Um, as as you, everybody is talking about, hybrid seems to be the way of the future. People will have a choice on where they want to work. And so if people have a choice on where they want to work physically, not necessarily, you know, they obviously have a choice of the company they want to work for, but if, if they also get to choose the location that they want to work, then building owners and facility managers have to work really hard to make sure that their building is the destination. And, and that goes beyond just amenities, right? Because mm -hmm. everyone's going to have the amenities. Now it's about what's the indoor environment like, what's your indoor experience, what's your safety experience, you know, just all everything, right? And, and I think that we're going to see people starting to move that direction um, in the next 12 months. You're going to see real projects being identified, real stories starting to come out. And I think in 23 and 24, you'll start to see buildings that actually have a lot of those new modern kind of lifestyle experiences that didn't exist today or in the last you know, couple of decades. Yeah, I think it's, it's not necessarily about the aesthetics of a building or, or of what a building looks like now. Um, again, again, that's a, a big part of it, but um, we need to be thinking about the engine. And what I mean by that is the technology within it. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think uh, we're going to move to where what it looks like and you know, kind of the location of the building is table stakes. That's that's what that's what gets you in the conversation. But then it's going to be all of these other things that haven't typically been delivered. Um, and I think the the word I hear a lot is transparency. Um, and I hear it from two two angles. One is the angle of fear, where building owners and facility managers are a little bit afraid of being transparent. And then at the other side, you have the occupants and the tenants and my employees as a, as a renter, uh, you know, that are wanting the transparency. So that's going to come together, right? Um, you know, if I want, I want to know what the indoor air quality is in my space, and I want to trust that the landlord is doing what they can to improve it if there's a, if there's a flaw, right? So those are, those are the things. And when that, when that trust and that transparency and that trust exists, I think we're going to see built people in buildings at, at force. And I think it will mm -hmm. be as, as big or, or close to as big as it was pre-COVID. Fingers crossed. It's certainly interesting to, uh, to see what's going to be happening in the, in the next 12 months. Um, fi final comment. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's a, a good final comment given our topic today um, for our audience, your audiences, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received in your career that others can take? Yeah, so um, this is interesting. I, you didn't prep me very well for this one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when I go back to, it, it's actually pre-career, right? So this is junior in high school, um, maybe even sophomore year. Uh, my English teacher, you know, was a, um, you know, former military you know, had been in education for a decade, teaching honors English, and and uh, he he had a lot of uh, eccentricities, as I can say. He was just a very eccentric guy. Um, he uh, his thing for us was to question everything, and and not not to be you know a jerk, 
right? Not question it in that way, but always question. And I think that when you look at um, everything, you know, recently, you know, whether you look at it in the last decade with Simon Sinek and start with why, um, or mm -hmm. you look at all of the kind of the latest um, stuff about making decisions. I think when you get to why, when you understand why you're doing something, then everything else just find, falls in place. Um, and your why obviously has to be strong. Um, and if your why is because it seems like a good idea, it's never going to happen. And so I think that also goes to all of this stuff, whether it's indoor air quality or why would an employee come to my office? You know, are they required to come here? No. Do they need to be here to do a good job? Not necessarily. You know, so you start asking why. And I think, you know, going all the way back to, to that, you know, kind of education and training in high school, it's really framed and formed the way I approach every situation. Because um, once we understand why, everything else just, like I said, falls in line. I love that. Well, uh, Brian, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I'm sure uh, our audience will, will think the same. So uh, thank you very much for that. Yeah, Lewis, thank you. It was, uh, it was an entertaining conversation. Cheers. So that was my conversation with Brian Turner, the CEO of Buildings IoT. I'd like to thank Brian for his time and fascinating insight on education, training and hiring in the smart building space. If you'd like to ask myself or Brian any questions about what we discussed, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find my details in the description of this episode. Today's podcast was powered by CM Industrial, a global search firm with specialist consultants dedicated to the smart buildings market. For more information about our services, please go to searchingindustrial.com. That's it from me. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now.